This is Bill Messerly with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, bringing you a special Frontline of Hope update with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for Wednesday, June 10, 2020. Bishop Brennan has been offering these daily weekday updates from the middle of March. Thank you, Bishop Brennan, for all that you are doing, keeping us connected, and welcome again. Thank you, and thank you for keeping us connected. I, I could be sitting in my office speaking to no one, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lonely world, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would certainly be a lonely world. <laughs> you know, yesterday uh, was a huge day for our entire nation and the entire world. George Floyd, who was uh, murdered in Minneapolis, uh, was laid to rest in Houston, Texas at noon, and at that same time, uh, you led our entire diocese with a mass from the cathedral, followed by a special rosary. How touched were you, and what were your thoughts about the the day's events? Actually, I was very deeply touched. To uh, to tell you the truth, when we had called upon, set aside the day for a day of prayer and penance, um, the uh, thought of the funeral was not in my mind at least or in anyone else's it wasn't deliberately chosen for that reason we just said we have to do this um this is who we are we pray and we do penance and i was thinking of the gospel when the disciples said how they couldn't get rid of the demon and jesus said this is the kind that can only be done by prayer and penance and or prayer and fasting and um and you know there's a there's a, an element of truth in this. There's a demon in our world of racism and division, and it can only you know be dealt with by prayer, penance, fasting, by our um, really trying to seek that conversion of heart. So, uh, yes, it turned out to be a providential day so that we were united with the, uh, the funeral rites. Um, but I was deeply moved. I was deeply moved when I went into the church um, there were a number of people there. Fortunately, uh, not so many that we uh, couldn't accommodate with social distancing. But um, compared with our masses to date since the opening, it was uh, quite the crowd, and um, and 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 it was good to be together to pray. It was really good to be together to pray. And how important it was! Thank you, Saint Gabriel Radio. Thanks to the live streaming how good it is that we could be together to pray with people across the diocese. Um, so yesterday being a full day of prayer and penance, of course the high point of anything is the um, the Mass, the Holy Mass. So so that was moving, and then we had the rosary right after. A number of people stayed, and I found that very moving. And um, Pam Harris, uh, the director for our Office of Ethnic Ministries, um, had sent out uh, to parishes, uh, and it's on all of our websites, the special rosary with prayers against to end racism. Um, this is something she did before she was with us, when she was with us in the Diocese of Richmond. And interestingly enough, each decade she has a quote, and of course one of those quotes was from Bishop Griffin. Mm-hmm. And she didn't even know Bishop Griffin at the time. She just saw it, recognized him as a leader. And um, and took from his letter on racism, which goes back to 1997. So, uh, so yeah, it was a very, very moving rosary as well. As we prayed along with you that rosary yesterday uh, for the end of racism and foster healing for our community, I was uh, moved by the reflections because they continually 
um, challenged me and challenged all listeners to self-reflect. And I think mm-hmm. the add that with the fasting, I found that at a day that I could be a little bit more honest about uh, where I need to be as it relates to seeing everybody in the image and likeness of God all the time. That's right. That's so true. You know, Bishop Griffin's quote quoted uh, the letter of John, and uh, he who says he is without sin is deceiving himself. And, you know, I, that's the, the thing. We all have blinders. We all have our shortcomings. We all don't see the world in the right focus. And um, and a day like yesterday can help us to tune in a little bit, to look look inside, to do some of that self-reflection and realize where we do have our blind spots. And you uh, quoted St. Oscar Romaro. Yes. Yes, you know, um, it, it, where I come from, the Hispanic population on Long Island is largely Salvadoran, so I've gotten to know Archbishop Romero quite well through that community. And actually, um, his the priest who assisted him the most is now a cardinal, uh, Cardinal Rosa Chavez, and uh, Gregorio Rosa Chavez, and he used to come up to visit us pretty regularly and... Uh, and so I learned a lot from him. But one of the great statements is um, that the most profound social revolution is the authentic, interior, supernatural conversion of the Christian heart. And there's such truth in that, you know. The, when the Christian heart looks in to, inside to see the, the, the reality of God, and, and, and where we are all in need of conversion, could you imagine that if every Christian heart experience profound conversion, what a powerful force for good that would be on the world, on the earth. It certainly would be. So authentic, profound, serious, and supernatural interior conversion. Did I get that right? You know what? I have to look it up myself. <laughs> that, that's a lot of big words. I just wanted There's to make sure of, that I I, I, I always have back. to go back and look it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, let's, um, let's see, I have it. Right in front of me. But yes, um, the most profound social revolution is the serious, supernatural, interior reform of a Christian. Mm. There Beautiful. you go. It Beautiful. is. It is. It's a, it's a great thing for me. Like you say, it's a lot of words. I get, I get the main idea, and I mm. do reflect on the main idea a lot, but I probably should write it down somewhere and keep it in front of me for prayer. <laughs> mm. Well, Bishop Brennan, you woke up this morning and you had uh, a great start to your day. Tell us about what's happened so far today. Well, as you know, I won't be on for the Mass today because I had Mass this morning at 7.30 with the uh, seminary, not the seminarians, with the deacons. Um, I had a few of the seminarians there who were doing their pastoral work around here in the city. But uh, the, uh, I do ha- the three deacons were in there here today at the pastoral center to meet with different offices um, to get to know some of the people who take care of different areas of pastoral life so that, you know, the the building is uh, often called 197 because of its address, it's a shorthand, but the pastoral center, people over there are there to be resources to the pastors and um, to all of the parishes. 
And so it's nice to have a face with a name and with an office. So they're getting to meet with people. Um, Father Lump tells me they're having some great conversations back and forth. And so it's it's a good introduction. So um, And they're taking care of some of the practical things that they need to do to become uh, uh, employed, you might say, <laughs> in the diocese. You know? Now, these are so, the transitional deacons that will be ordained on Saturday at 10 a.m.? That's correct. The, th- the transitional deacons being ordained on Saturday at 10 a.m. And, um, and so... I had it. They brought their chalices, and mm-hmm. so that I could bless their chalices for them, which I was very happy to do. And um, and we prayed the, the mass together. What a beautiful way to begin the day! And that's uh, deacons uh, Frank Brown, Michael Fulton, and Seth Keller. And tell us about the chalices, and what do you mean by blessing their chalice? Well, in the um, in 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 the missal, there is a prayer for a blessing of a chalice and patent before you use it for the first time, um, and um, and so uh, they brought the chalices that um, either their families had given them or they had gotten, or in one case at least, and this is not an unusual custom. Um, uh, one of the deacons was given the chalice that belonged to a priest who was his pastor years ago who has since gone home to the Lord. Uh, sometimes when a priest dies, he would leave his chalice to the diocese for the use by someone in the future. And um, and so there's a beautiful uh, um, c- connection that, that's made through, through that tradition. So, so, um, so, uh, when we do at Mass, it's a very simple thing. After the prayer of the faithful, before pre- the presentation of the gifts, or in this case, the offering of the gifts, uh, the chalices are placed on the off- altar. Um, we, we prayed a psalm together, the chalice of salvation I will raise, I will call on the name of the Lord, and a simple prayer of blessing. And it's interesting, you know, in, in the um, in the Missal, the instruction and the prayer itself talk about how you bless something like a chalice to set it apart for sacred use, to set it apart for sacred use so that um, it's reserved only for the use as a chalice at Mass. And that's what's going to be happening in the days ahead for the new deacons. They are being set aside for sacred use, to be priests of God, not for honor, not for glory. They're being set apart to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give themselves totally and unreservedly to the Lord in his service as priests and as holy priests. So um, it's kind of nice that we did that this week, today, with a couple of days, really, to intensify their prayerful preparation about what they're about to do. And uh, each one of these... um Deacons will be ordained to the priesthood on Saturday at 10 o'clock. That'll be on St. Gabriel Radio, so you can tune in there, or you can go to columbuscatholic.org and see the video stream. And I highly recommend uh, going online and going to columbuscatholic.org. There are so many visuals that will go along with this ordination that you'll want to partake in. But after they are ordained, they'll also be celebrating their first Mass, and that first Mass will be on the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ what a tie-in to that chalice! Isn't that isn't that true? That's so true. I was, my first mass was on the uh, feast of Corpus Christi. 
they were intended to have been ordained, um, and their first masses would have been on the feast of the um, uh, of the ascension of the Lord. Uh, so now. It, it's nice that they'll be ordained for the feast of the body and blood of our Lord, feast of Corpus Christi. Um, what what a beautiful tie-in to that chalice and to their ministry as priests. And uh, we had some readings today that had some humor in them. We had uh, <laughs> we had the Book of Kings, uh, chapter eighteen. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the joy of humor as it relates to That's the right. God of all, the God of all. So. Um, Elijah, the prophet, had an important job. He was speaking, you know, the king and the queen. We heard the name Ahab and um, and Jezebel, right? Um, they, instead of doing what they should have been, bringing people to the Lord, leading people in the way of God, Ahab and Jezebel were leading people away from the Lord to the worship of false gods. So basically what we hear in the reading today is a bit of a showdown. And Elijah uh, sets up a little bit of a contest and says, let's each offer a sacrifice to God. So each of them set up an altar in the out- outdoors and set the, the makings of a fire, but no fire. And they said, uh, and it's a little bit of superstition. This isn't exactly how we should be showing God's glory, but it was a great moment in time. Um, the, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the false, false God set up their sacrifice. Elijah set up his and the idea would be where the fire lit would be the true God. And and the prophets of Baal were singing and crying out and it, all kinds of uh, prayers. And nothing was, was happening. And I love the way Elijah was taunting them, right? <laughs> a little trash talk, huh? <laughs> a little trash talk. <laughs> Call louder, for he is a god. And he might be meditating. Or he may have retired. Or he may be on a journey. <laughs> or maybe he's asleep and must be awakened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they called out louder and slash themselves with sp- swords and s- spears. And then there's this beautiful, simple line, but there was not a sound. Mm. No one answered, and no one was listening. There was no false god, because false meant there was nobody. And then Elijah shows how all these impediments throw extra water all around it on top of the sacrifice, you know, and uh, and the sacrifice is taken up. Elijah shows God's glory, mm-hmm. and again, there's a little bit of a humor in the in the story. Um, there's uh, uh, the, the, the little bit of drama, but he shows God's glory. Um, but now, with these priests, and for all of us as Christians, we're called to show God's glory not not in that way, but by faithfully living out. The law of Christ. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, to live out the fulfillment of the law in Jesus Christ, um, to live out faithfully and authentically the splendor of truth and the joy of the gospel. When we live our lives that way in these troubled days, as we, you know, yesterday we prayed, our witness of prayer and fasting and our demeanor, can we be? Instruments of God's peace and of God's reconciliation, living out the, the splendor of truth and the joy of gospel, the gospel, calling out what is wrong and harmful, but also trying to be instruments of healing, of God's healing and peace. So Elijah teaches us an important thing. There's still false gods around that promise, um, empty empty promises, and um, 
and still false worship of, of, of false gods. It, it's in a different kind of a way. But we who have the blessing of being touched by the one true God um, can bear witness to him in very, very powerful ways, more powerful than that display in the in the Book of Kings. Bishop Brennan, I can't thank you enough, and I know our listeners are appreciative of all the words of encouragement and hope that you've shared every day over the last couple of months during these Frontline of Hope updates. Can you close us with a prayer? Sure. Why don't we praise Jesus taught us and pray in a particular way for those who will be ordained, who are in these last days of preparation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And may Almighty God bless all of you who are listening and all your families in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop Brennan, we wish you the best of days today. It's going to be a little cloudy, but we're going to get some great weather the rest of the week. And these ordinations right around the corner, there's a lot to be hopeful for. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.